0: Well, good morning, everybody, again. I'm so glad to be with you doing something different today, which is preaching. And I don't get to do this very often, but when I do, I'm always excited to do it, and especially on this fourth Sunday in Advent. This morning, we're going to be reading Luke 1, verse 39 through 56. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 1457. If you have a Bible app, you can open it if you're watching from home, you can go grab your iPad or your Kindle, or find one of those old Bibles that have printed pages, or you can just listen or read it on the screen. This is Luke 1, verse 39 through 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to start this morning by telling you three different stories. The first story is about a young girl who lives with her mom because her parents are divorced. Her dad's birthday was coming up, and over the phone, he told her that he was coming into town and was coming over to the house to celebrate his birthday with her. The little girl was excited and wanted to surprise him, so she spent all morning cleaning the house and decorating. She made a big sign that said, Happy Birthday, Dad. And on her own, she baked a birthday cake and smothered it with way too much frosting. Dad said he was going to show up after dinner. Dinner came and it went. And this young girl waited and waited and waited. But her dad never showed up. He didn't even call. Here's another story about a teenage boy who was gifted in music. He would participate in various musical recitals and he would always invite his mom to come even beg her to come, but for some reason, she just never would. He thought that maybe maybe the recital atmosphere was just too formal, and so he got the idea that maybe if he played in a coffee shop, the relaxed atmosphere would make it more comfortable for her. So he asked his mom if she would come to the coffee shop and listen to him play, and to his surprise, she said that she would. That night, as he was playing in the coffee shop, He told me that he kept looking at the door over the heads of the people who were there waiting for his mom to walk through but she never showed up here's another story i once had a professor who told us it was a group of seminary students we were on a mission trip together overseas and she told us that her and her husband were were getting a divorce they had been struggling for a long time And she wanted to open up to the group and share and to be prayed for and to be honest because throughout the trip, a number of people kept asking her about her husband and how they met and their story. And every time someone would ask, it was just so painful. She felt like she was lying. She didn't want to pretend to the group. She wanted to be honest. And so she told us pieces of her story. And through her tears, she told us, I'm deeply embarrassed that our marriage fell apart. She said, it pains me so much because I really believe in promises. 400 years. 400 years. That's the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the time of Nehemiah and the birth of Christ. It was 400 years. Those years are sometimes referred to as the silent years because there were no prophetic revelations. There were no angel visitations. There were no dreams. There were no visions. There was no word from the Lord. 400 years. 400 years of silence. Maybe Israel was beginning to think, maybe God forgot about it. Maybe God's moved on. Maybe it's all over. Does God even hear us? Does God even think about us? When promises are spoken but not fulfilled, when we wait and we wait and we wait, at first we might give that person the benefit of the doubt. We might come up with reasons why. But eventually we begin to question the trustworthiness of the person making the promises in the first place. It comes down to an issue of character. How much trust can we actually put, not only in the promise, but more importantly, the one making the promise? The stories that I read at the beginning of this sermon, they're all true. They're heartbreaking. The truth is, the people who love us the most sometimes fail to come through. They break their promise. And we live in a world of broken promises. It's easy to think that maybe God will break his promise too. In the previous chapter, the one I didn't read this morning, the one right before our story, the angel Gabriel visits Mary and tells her that she'll be the one to carry God's own son. It's all very strange Mary's a small person living in a small town. She's a virgin. And so she asks a follow-up question, which is good. How will this be? The angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then the angel says this. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this line before. The angel says, no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. It's a promise that is picked up and reiterated in our passage this morning. In verse 45, Elizabeth states, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then in verse 55, when Mary is in her song of praise, she says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I don't know about you, but I sometimes think about this, about how the whole biblical story, the whole story of salvation, the whole story, the big, big story of what God is doing in the world, it can be seen that it's actually on a very fragile and shaky foundation. The whole thing, the whole story, It's all based on a promise. In fact, one way of tracing the major themes of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is through the lens of promise, if you want to do a little Bible study on your own. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God said that an offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. It's a promise. Later, God comes to Abraham and makes a covenant with him and promises to bless all the nations through the family of Abraham. Sometimes later, sometimes later, God chooses David and makes another promise that not only from all the offspring of Abraham, but within that, David's line. David's line, from his line will come a ruler that will sit on the throne forever. It's another promise. And now Mary has been given a promise, a promise that she'll give birth to the Son of God, an offspring of Adam and Eve, a blessing to the nations through Abraham, a royal heir in the line of King David. Throughout Scripture, God is a promise maker. But more importantly, throughout Scripture, God is a promise keeper. God has a track record of being faithful, a track record of being trustworthy, worthy of trust, of coming through on everything God said. But it's important to note this morning that God has his own unique and often unexpected way of keeping his own promises. For instance, if you take a look at Mary's song, in which she praises God for fulfilling his promises, in her song is an acknowledgement of the upside-down and reversal way, the unexpected way in which God keeps his word. In Mary's song, she sings about three contrasts. The rich are sent away empty, but the poor and hungry will be filled. The proud will be scattered, but mercy will be shown to those who are humble powerful rulers will be brought down, and the weak will be lifted up. Mary here sings a song, but it's not a top 40 hit. And I don't think it ever could be, because when you look at it closely, Mary's song is both beautiful and it's a little scary. It's a mixture of good news and bad news. In fact, it's bad news if you're rich, proud, and in charge. Because the way it's all going to be someday, Mary says in her song, is that a community of people who are poor, hungry, and humble will be given a very great gift. Mary herself is an example of what she sings about. Mary herself is poor, is weak, is humble. A nobody who becomes a somebody, but not because of anything that Mary has done, but because of God's lavish love, God's overflowing generosity. In fact, in my research this week, I discovered that Mary in the Catholic Church, ever since Vatican II, has been referred to as the first disciple. A woman, the first disciple because Mary said yes she was the first one to say yes to trust in the promise of Jesus it turns out that God keeps his promises but does so in very unexpected ways it's not a war horse it's a donkey it's not a palace it's a manger it's not a sword, it's surrender. It's not being weighted on, it's washing feet. It's not privilege, it's prayer. Let me conclude with these few words. The season of Advent, I don't know if you know this, so many indicators around us point us in that direction, but season, or Advent is a season of light. In fact, the first three church seasons in the church calendar, Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany are all under the theme of light. In Advent, we anticipate the light. At Christmas, we celebrate the light. In Epiphany, we spread the light. We spread the light to those around us. Advent is about waiting for a promise. It's about waiting with hope. It's about waiting with a quiet assurance that God will do everything that God said he would do. It's just a matter of time. And so while we wait, it's a candle in a dark room. It's a flame of hope. A flame, a candle that we hold, that we pray, that we sing, that we encourage each other with, and we point to the future when one day this small flame will be full floodlights. We wait for a promise just like that teenage boy in that coffee shop, just like that little girl. We wait for God to walk through the door. And we wait with eager expectation because no word from God will ever fail. After all, God promised. Let's pray. We thank you for your promises that never fail us. And yet, Lord, we get weary with waiting. We grieve. We grieve the pain around us. We grieve the pain in our hearts. We grieve our broken world. And so we wait with expectation. We wait with hope for you to fulfill your promises. Lord, we'll wait. We'll wait with hope because we trust you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.